Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is from the Sword of the Spirit Bible Conference. This is the afternoon service of Saturday the 20th of February 2016, entitled Forgiveness, Part 1. And the Bible reading is taken from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Here's Pastor Brian Beaver. Most important concepts in Christianity is a thing called forgiveness. All right, now... If you're going to love God and love one another the way you ought to, you're going to have to learn real quick in life, especially your Christian life, you're going to have to learn how to forgive one another. Because guess what? People are going to hurt you. I've learned something in my my, my Christian life. It's so, and, and this is one of the things I want you to get tonight. It is so difficult and hard to forgive for three reasons. Number one, it's because what you do when you forgive somebody is you take the tool out of your hand that you can use to hurt the one that hurt you. That makes sense? This is yes, this is no. Okay, good. So it's hard to forgive because what it does is it takes the tool out of your hand that you can use to hurt the person that hurts you. Number two. The reason why it's so hard to forgive sometimes is because you have to take a real hard, long look in the mirror. All right? And you've got to examine yourself. Jesus made this statement, he who has been forgiven much will forgive much. Now, one of the things I want to go over tonight in just a short period that we've got is uh, that this concept of forgiveness is one of the most misunderstood concepts also. All right. Some people get there's a multiple there's a there, there's multiple reasons for the misunderstanding. One of them is that the concept is supernatural. So how can I even understand it? Well, that's not true. There's enough evidence in the Word of God that tells us and shows us. By the way, we talk, I said this last night. God demonstrated He commended His love toward us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So He showed and demonstrated forgiveness. What was one of His seven cries from the cross? Father. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. Somebody has said, well, you know what? I can't forgive. No, you can forgive. Your problem is you won't forgive. See, you can't say I can't forgive. You might say I won't, but you can't say I can't. A lot of people say I can't because they've never took a real hard look at Calvary. When you go back to Calvary and look what Jesus Christ did for you, how in the world could you ever say, I could never forgive you for what you've done? Now, don't get be misunderstood. I'm going to give you some myths tonight about this concept of forgiveness. If you'll uh, uh, hold on and bear with me just a minute. I'm going to take this jacket off, man. It's hot. It is to me anyway. Um, I, want to give you some, I want to give you some myths to this thing, this concept of forgiveness, Okay. I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 4 and look at verse 32. Ephesians 4 and verse number 32. If you're there, say amen. Good. That's, that's, that's enough. That's there. We'll go ahead and start. Scripture says, and be ye kind one to another. Now, by the way, that word kind means to go over and above. By the way, you know what? This is a good definition, young people, of, of unconditional love. Let me give it to you. You ought to write this down just in the margin of your notes. An unconditional love is this. Whatever you do to me, however bad you hurt me, I will still seek your greater good. That's unconditional love. How many people in this room have ever been mad at God? Don't raise your hand. (laughs) I think we all could, though. Amen? (laughs) James is like... (laughs) 
Yeah, listen, folks, do you know what we've got to do? We've ultimately got to go back and take our, our anger and our bitterness sometimes back to the very source of it. And we don't want to admit that, but we're mad at the God that may have not given us the job opportunity we wanted, may have not given us the promotion, may have not given us the relationship we wanted. You may be single and you want to be married and you don't know what. You say, I'm never going to find a mate. You know what? reason why is because you hadn't submitted everything and your body a living sacrifice unto God. When you do that, I promise you, the scripture says, delight thyself also in the Lord and he shall give thee the desires of thy heart. And that literally means this. When you delight yourself in God, he will give you the desire to seek and to be Pleased by what his will is in your life. Doesn't mean he's going to, you know, here's what a lot of people think. If I delight myself in the Lord, he's going to give me the desires of my heart. That means he's going to give me that, he's going to give me that Mercedes I've been wanting. That's not what that means. Now you may want a Mercedes, but it may not be God's will. Amen. You may want, uh, you know, a 250 uh, pound, uh, thousand pound salary a year, but that might not be God's will for your life. You say, preacher, why not? Because you can't take care of the 30,000 pounds you make right now. Some of you say, you stretching it, preacher, because I don't even make that. Amen. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. I know, I know who I'm talking to. I'm talking to students, all right? But you're getting ready to, listen, you're getting ready to graduate and go out into the workforce, and guess what? You better be content with whatsoever state you're in. Because if you don't, you're going to harbor bitterness and unforgiveness at the God of heaven. Because ultimately, it most of the time goes back to the source. And you're just mad at God. Okay? Unconditional love is saying, Frazier, whatever you do to me, ever, however bad you hurt me, I will always seek your greater good. You know what I want you to think about right now? I want you to think about an individual right now, if I even mention their name, or you saw them at a local eating establishment or at a, a grocery store, and you saw them right now, you'd probably run the, the opposite direction because you don't want to talk to them. You know what I believe that is? I believe that's unforgiveness. Now, young people, I'm going to tell you something. The only way you're ever going to love God and love one another the way you ought to is to let go of this bitterness and unforgiveness because it will rob you of everything you've got. Joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, meek, faith, temperance. It'll, it'll rob you of every fruit of the Spirit if you're not careful. And by the way, I know what I'm talking about. You know, you can go all the way over to Psalm 55 and you can read the account of David telling, uh, telling God his problems. And by the way, I said this Wednesday night. Don't tell God how big your problems are. Tell your problems how big God is. Amen? But you know what David said? David said, you know what? If it would have been, Frazier, my enemy that would have been coming against me, I could have borne it. If it would have been someone that I was acquainted, that I wasn't acquainted with, if it would have been my enemy or some kind of archdiocese, you know, that somebody was coming against me, I could have taken it. He said, but it was my, my equal, my guide, one I took sweet fellowship and counsel with in the house of God. You know who wanted to kill him? Saul, his best friend. Can I tell you those that hurt you the most are the ones that are going to help you the most. Those that hurt you and, and listen, and, and try to target you are the ones that you probably know the best. I hate to say that, and I hate to bust your bubble, but that's the way it's going to be. You say, well, what's these myths about uh, forgiveness? Well, if you look at Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 32, it says, And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Now, when we read that verse, let's think about this. Now, by the way, let's go up two more verses. Go to Ephesians 4.30. Look at that verse. 
The Bible says, Let, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed in the day of redemption. Can I explain something, young people? Today you sit here as a child of God and you are sealed in the day of redemption. God has got you in His hand. He's going to protect you. He's going to provide for you. He's going to empower you and enable you to do and accomplish what He's called you to do. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit of God. And by the way, that ain't an it. It's a he. Don't treat the Holy Spirit like it's an it. He's just as important as the Son. He's just as important as the Father. Three in one, one in three, the one in the middle died for me. Amen. But young people, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of God under the day of redemption. You say, well, preacher, I've already been redeemed. What's that day of redemption mean? It's the day of the redemption of your body, not your soul. You've been saved by the grace of God, but God sealed you to the day of redemption. That means either when you die in the grave or you're raptured out of here. Amen. God's going to protect you. He's going to provide for you. Why we live like we do then? Why do we live so powerless? Why do we gripe and... And, and, and murmur and complain about everything that's going on in our life when we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. I submit to you it's because there may be somebody in this room, this maybe, that's harboring unforgiveness. Then it says in verse 31, look at it. It says, let all bitterness and anger and wrath and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Now, like, notice this, notice this chain reaction. It starts with bitterness and it goes to anger, to wrath, to clamor, to evil speaking. You know what? When you're bitter, it is an inside corruption, but guess what? If you let it fester inside of you, ultimately it's going to come out. And it'll evidence itself in evil speaking. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You get on the highway. Somebody cuts you off. Oh, nobody does that in England, do they? Nah, no. You get on, the, get on the M5 or whatever it is, the M4, and you get in traffic, and you know you're trying to get off the, off the freeway, off the exit ramp, and you're trying to come on the exit ramp. Nobody will let you on. They're all beeping at you and waving at you with one finger. You know, you know what I'm talking about, amen? Huh? And you know what your reaction is? If, listen, if you aren't completely sealed with the Holy Spirit of God, you will retaliate and you will fight back with the same thing they're using with you. And that's not right. Matter of fact, young people, I'll start the verse, you help me finish it. Romans chapter 12 verse 19 says, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Now I'm going to give you something you probably never got. Because it took me about four years before I figured this out. Let me ask you a question. When that verse says, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Who's God repaying? You know what we think, Jamie? We think God's going to repay the one, that, the, the, the one that hurt us. Let me explain something, folks. In, a, in an issue or a division, the one that gets hurt the most is the victim. Not the offender, it's the offended. But you know what God is saying? And I, it took me a long time, young people, to get this. God says, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. You know who God's going to repay? He's going to repay you back for the hurt that you have been caused. Isn't that good? God's going to say, I'm going to repay you back for the hurt that was caused to you. Now, I'm, I'm thankful for that. Because I'll be honest with you, as a preacher, I've been talked about, I've been slandered, I've had people send me anonymous letters, Jay, in the mail saying, and by the way, I had a guy come to me one time and he made this statement. He said, Preacher, if you don't leave this church 
I'm going to take my financial contributions and I am going to leave this church and you can do whatever you want to. But I'm, and, and by the way, he was one of the most financially stable people in our church. And by the way, if you're not careful, you will be partial in your flesh and you will be only attracted and you'll minister to people if you're not careful to only people who are the high and mighty, not the low and out, the down and out. You got to be careful. This man looked at me and said that, and I'm going to tell you right now, I told him, you know what, if you want to, I said, I'm only 30, but I'm not for sale, and you know what, you can take your financial contribution, you can go somewhere else if you want to, but you can't buy me. I am not for sale. And so, you know what, you're going to have to make a decision. There's been people that's, there's been people that have literally said, your church will not survive. We will literally make sure your church don't survive. And you know what the sad thing is? Is most of the people that say that, Nathan, are God's people. It ain't the lost people. It's saved individuals. And you know what? If you're not careful, you're going to harbor contention and resentment, and you're going to let that thing fester, and it's going to affect your Christian walk. It's going to affect the fact that you could ever reach your family, your friends, for Christ, because you are harboring unforgiveness. It's time to let... Just gotta, just gotta else it. You know, you gotta let it go. Amen? You just gotta let it go. That's what the words put away mean. It means to release. Let all bitterness and anger and wrath and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. So you gotta let it go. Amen? Let me give you some myths about forgiveness. Number one, write these down if you got a pen. We think that forgiveness means to only let go of the offense. The people that say this believe that that's all there is to it and I just do it. That's a myth. And I say this, when people do you wrong, it's, you know what I hear a lot of people say when I say I'm sorry? When I go and ask somebody to forgive me, you know the first thing they say? And you probably have this happen to you. When I go and say, you know, Jay, I didn't mean to offend you, brother, and I just want you to forgive me. You know what a lot of people say? Oh, it's okay. No, it ain't. It ain't okay. When somebody has wronged you, it's not okay. And do you know what? It's okay to have righteous indignation and have anger. But you know what the Bible says? Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. If you don't let that thing go, it's going to cause bitterness in your life. But you know what? You don't let the offender off the hook like that. You say, you know what? You're right. I forgive you. Let me give you an example. Guy comes to you, Pastor Steve, says, you know what? I need to borrow a thousand pounds. All right? I'll pay you back. Five years later, you don't see his face. He ain't paid you back a dime. Guess what? He's still your brother in Christ and you forgive him. Guess what though? You ain't never going to let him borrow a dime again. Amen? See, you, you got to be smart. You got to be wise. There's forgiveness, but you don't let the offender off the hook. You don't just say it's okay. If they ask for forgiveness, you know what you say? I forgive you. See, that's what a lot of people think. They think, you know what? Saying I, saying I forgive you means that it's just going to be warm and fuzzy. And I'm going to tell you something, young people. It takes time for things to heal. Yeah, I know. I feel the same way. Amen. <laughs> it takes time for things to heal. Listen, I had a brother-in-law. Listen to me. I had a brother-in-law who at the time I did not know this was going on. But Dan, you know what he was doing? I had two nephews that were seven and five. He is my ex-brother-in-law now. He is divorced from my sister-in-law, my wife's sister. All the while that I was trying to witness and minister to my brother-in-law, 
I did not know this, but he was molesting my two nephews. If I would have known that, I promise you that I choked him out in Jesus' name. You say, preacher. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Don't you sit there and sit there and violate my two nephews, you pedophile. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Call a spade a spade, amen? But I was willing to forgive him. I did not let him off the hook, though. But let me tell you how God works things. I'm preaching in the city where we lived and we grew, we grew, grew up. And guess what? He's my ex-brother-in-law, Jamie, now. And I went to preach in the church that I was in. And while I'm preaching, he walks into service and sits down on the, about the third aisle from the back. <laughs> I'm going to tell you all something. If you ain't never preached or you've never spoke before people, there's times when you're talking to people, but you're thinking about a hundred other things. And the whole time I was thinking, what am I going to do when I get done with this service? When I gave the invitation, let me tell you what happened. While people were fl flooding down and getting on their knees on the altar, I was walking the opposite direction and I went back there and the Holy Spirit of God said, go make it right with him. I got his hand, I took him outside and I said, brother, I've maligned you. I have talked about you and I've even wanted to hurt you. And I'm going to tell you right now, I ought to, but I forgive you. And I want you to know this, it may not sound like it right now, but I want you to know genuinely from my heart, I love you. Because if I didn't, I couldn't forgive you and I'd punch you in the nose right now in Jesus' name. See, I'm just going to shoot straight with you. See, a lot of us, you know what we think? Somebody says, I'm sorry or please forgive me. Oh, it's okay. You know, we don't want to ruffle no feathers. No, you know what you need to do? You know what you need to do? Say, you know what? You do need to ask for forgiveness. You were wrong. You say, preacher, how can you say that? Let me tell you something. When you love right, you will be able to stand in the face of wickedness and abhor evil, and it will be the right attitude. Because you won't be angry and vicious about it, but you will say, yeah, you're right. You were wrong when you love the right way. See, here's the thing we don't understand. If we really were as close to God as we say we are, we would understand how you can be angry and love a person at the same time. Some of you don't know this yet because you ain't had kids. Let me tell you something about rearing children. I don't have hair. That's one of the results of having children. Now, I know I was one of them too. But let me explain something. There were times in my life, I promise you, Nathan, I promise you there were times in my life when I wanted to take my son, I wanted to take my belt off, and I wanted to wear him out so bad that the smoke detector went off in the house. That's how bad I wanted to do it. But you know what? I couldn't do it in anger. I had to go away, and I had to get right and let myself calm down a little bit and then go and deal with him. But I love him. See, God don't do anything in your life for punitive reasons. He's not punishing you. God loves you and he wants to correct you and to steer you in the right direction. Amen? He loves you that much. So, you know, the, the myth about this thing of forgiveness is that it's just you let it go and that's it. You know what I'm saying? Let it go, but don't let them off the hook. Make sure they understand they were wrong and they hurt you. I let my brother-in-law know it was wrong what you did. There's consequences to sin. And by the way, ain't none of us from the preacher to the pews is going to get away from that. Every single one of us is going to have a consequence to every decision we make. So I would encourage you to choose wisely. Number two myth. 
This other myth states that forgiveness involves restoring trust and letting go of all negative emotions related to the issue. Such a myth adds abuse to an abuse victim. You know why it's so hard to forgive? It's so hard to forgive because you set yourself up to be hurt again. Amen? I asked my wife to forgive me multiple times. <laughs> All the time. And she does to me. But you know what? The reason why it's so difficult is because we know that we're going to let one another down and we're probably going to hear those words again, I'm sorry. And if you're not careful, you know what you'll say? Well, I'm done with this. You better be glad God don't deal with you like that. Amen? So I want you to look at the third one. Write this down. Forgiveness is often misunderstood because it is not a natural thing, but rather a supernatural thing. You understand that? That's why it's misunderstood, because we think we can do it in our own strength. Let me explain something, young people. Jesus said, I, Tibby, am the vine, and you're the branches. He said, if you abide in me and I in you, the same branch can bring forth much fruit, for without me, you can do nothing. So the problem is, sometimes we're not abiding in the vine. Guess what happens to a branch that don't abide in the vine? It's cut off and cast into fire. That don't mean it's totally decimated. That means, you know what, it's refined. God sometimes has to take you and prune you and take you to the woodshed, and hopefully there ain't too much bloodshed, but He'll have to take you behind the woodshed and correct you when you won't forgive the way He did from Calvary. I'm not asking you to do anything that Jesus didn't do. Remember that now. I want you to listen to this. Some of y'all know who C.S. Lewis is. C.S. Lewis made this statement. Forgiveness is a beautiful word until you have something to forgive. Sounds real cute and real nice and just all wrapped up in a little bow on top. You know, forgive, forgive, forgive until you got to do it. I was with my dad. My dad was sick with pancreatic cancer. He died in 2002. About three and a half weeks before he died, he asked me if he could take, he, we could take a little trip and go down to my grandmother and my grandfather's grave. And he wanted to sit there and just talk a little while with God and with them. I said, that's fine, Dad. We went down there. Frazier, while he was over there talking at the graveside and having his little time with the Lord, and I said, I'm just going to let him have his time. And I went looking in the graveyard, and I came across this grave plot. And it was really mossed over. It was obviously very old. And Antonio, I took a little rock and I scraped the, the, the moss off of it. And there was a name on it. And there was a birth date and a death date. And on the bottom of it was one word. And it was the word forgiven. You know, it was an epitaph. It was, to let, it was a testimony. And I started thinking, I said, I wonder if this is a testimony of the children in the family. Maybe he was a deadbeat dad and he took all the money, wasted on alcohol, didn't buy any food. And maybe they were saying, we want the whole world to know our daddy's forgiven. We've forgiven him. Then I thought, maybe it was the mom. Maybe it was the wife. Maybe he was abusive. Maybe he neglected her. And she wanted everybody to know that she had forgiven her husband. But then my mind went upward. Because as I stood there and I looked at that word forgiven, my mind went upward and there I stood before a judge. 
And a book was open and my name was on the, on the page of that book that it was open on. And underneath that name, Brian Beaver, were every sin that I had committed in my life. But you know what I love about that picture that I had when I looked at that word forgiven? Across the pages of that book, up, up underneath my name, Jay, was these, word, these letters, F-R-O-F-O-R-G-I-V-E-N, forgiven. I've been forgiven. And like I said last night, he lifts it off and takes it away. So my question today is this. When we talk about forgiveness, why are we so confused about this thing? Why is it so hard for us to forgive? Well, I just gave you a few reasons. Number one, it's because you have to take the tool out of your hand you use to hurt the person that hurt you. Number two, it's because you set yourself up to be hurt again. And number three, it's because you have to take a real hard long look in the mirror and search yourself. So why are we so confused about it? Well, one of the things I believe is because of this. Some biblical reasons why it's so confusing about forgiveness. Number one, forgiveness does not necessarily dispense with negative consequences, nor does it always grant trust and reconciliation. I just said that. It doesn't dispense of all the negative consequences. When you say you forgive somebody, that don't mean they're not going to pay for that con that, the, the consequence of that sin. You're just saying, I release you. And I'm going to let you... By the way, that's what David did. When David was being chased by Saul, you know what David's prayer was? God, I want you to keep my heart pure while you deal with Saul. Because David had every opportunity to get back at Saul. Matter of fact, he tried it once. He tried it again. And he said, you know what? I'm not going to touch God's anointed. I'm going to let God take care of him. Why don't you let God take care of his business and you take care of yours? Why don't you forgive and let him... Let him get the repayment. Let him pay it forward. Let him repay you as the victim back for the pain that you've been caused. Amen? Y'all awake, say amen. All right, I'm going to be done in just a minute. We'll finish this tomorrow in the a.m. When you're really, really awake. There's three types of forgiveness. I want you to write these down. This is one of my questions, or the only question I have. I want you to write these down. There's three types of forgiveness. Number one... There's judicial forgiveness. Judicial forgiveness. You say, what is that? That is the forgiveness that can only be given by God and not any by an individual, family, or church. It is the pardon you received at Calvary when you trusted Christ. You were judicially forgiven. The gavel was not dropped. Your name is in the Lamb's book of life, and you it's forever settled, and you have been forgiven. Amen? Past, present, future. Thank God somebody said amen. That's the first type. That's the only forgiveness that can be given by only one person, individual, and that is God Himself. Judicial forgiveness can only be given by God. Number two, the next type of forgiveness is psychological forgiveness. Psychological forgiveness is given by the offended. Those that have been offended. You ever been hurt? Isn't it amazing that sometimes you have to go and forgive somebody when they never even ask you? By the way, you want me to tell you why? You know, you want me to tell you what forgiveness is really for? Forgiveness is for you, not the one to hurt you. Because if you don't forgive, you're going to keep yourself in prison. You're welcome. If you don't forgive, you're going to keep yourself in jail. You're going to build a wall around you, and you're going to, listen, nobody else can get in until you forgive. See, forgiveness ain't for the offender, it's for the offended. 
So there's judicial forgiveness. There's psychological forgiveness. By the way, caution must be exercised. Listen to this now. Caution must be exercised when using this definition because letting go of resentment too easily undermines true justice. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Don't, don't, don't let somebody off the hook now. Don't say, oh, it's okay, brother. It's fine. No, it ain't fine. You just stole $300. You just stole 300 pounds from me. That ain't fine. Because there's going to be a consequence. That person's going to have to pay for that sin. But the price that's going to be paid for you is if you don't forgive them. Amen? We must not let anger turn to bitterness, which occurs when you willingly hang on to it too long. So that's the second kind of forgiveness. You got judicial forgiveness, you got psychological forgiveness, but the third one, and I want you to write this one down, and I'm done. The third one is called reconciliatory forgiveness. Reconciliatory forgiveness. This forgiveness is the one that is given by the offender. Okay? So you've got God's forgiveness, that's judicial. You've got the offended party's forgiveness, that's psychological. Why is it called that? Well, in the modern realm of neuthetic uh, 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 theology and neuthetic counseling, spirit-filled counseling, you've got to understand something. Psychologically, if you don't forgive as the offended party, you're going to be as bad off as the one that hurt you. You're welcome. Some of y'all ain't getting this, but I'm hoping you'll get it. You need to listen to it later on, all right? Because some of y'all got your eyes rolling back in the back of your head. It's all right. I've been here before. I've done this many, many years. My son fell asleep two years in a row right over there for the whole, whole session. So I, I understand how, how it is. This category of forgiveness, reconciliatory forgiveness, this category is one in which the relationship is restored or at least restoration is offered. By the way, once you try, it's out of your hands. Once you try to restore a relationship and forgive somebody and the other party has asked for forgiveness, guess what? You've gotten forgiveness, but know what time heals? It takes time. Especially in a situation like my brother-in-law. He molested my two nephews. But, Fraser, I've forgiven him. I won't let any of my kids ever be around him. Amen? Doesn't mean I don't love him. Doesn't mean, listen, even when the Levitical priest went and, and, and made an atonement for the sins on the day of Yom Kippur, the high priest, you know what? Even though they atoned for the sin of the people, they atoned for their own sin, they still had the scars of sin on their body, some even in their life. Doesn't come, listen, it don't take away the scars, it just takes away the offense. Amen? The responsibility for this type of forgiveness lies with the offender. Maybe you've hurt somebody. Maybe you need to go to mom and dad. Maybe you need to go to your roommate. Maybe you need to go to your relationship partner, whoever it is, if it's a fiancé or a, a, a wife or a husband-to-be or maybe a girlfriend or boyfriend, and you've offended them. You have been, listen, you maligned them. You've talked to them like a junkyard dog. Maybe it's time for you as the offender to go and make things right for reconciliation. I didn't expect a whole lot of amens. I don't. Not in a message like this. You can't. You just got to tell the truth. 
Since forgiveness is not easy or cheap, neither should repentance be. Amen? Shouldn't be cheap. Some guidelines for general repentance. Write these down and I'm done. The offender must take full responsibility for their offense. The offender must demonstrate appropriate remorse for the offense and the extent of damage done to the victim. Let me explain something. I've had my kids do this to me before. They do something wrong. I look at them and I say, you know what, Hannah, that was wrong. You need to go to your mom and say you're sorry. They'll run over, sorry, mom. You really think they meant that? No, they were just told to do that. There's got to be genuine remorse on the part of the offender for this kind of forgiveness to take place. Establish adequate boundaries and you must show change in behavior. That comes on the part of the offender. Now, I'm going to say this and then you can go to your question time. There's a story in the Bible about David. And David had been chased by Saul. He had been tried to kill four times by Saul. And David's best friend was Saul's son, Jonathan. Now get this. At the end of everything, when Saul was killed, when Absalom was killed, and the only, there was nobody left, Jonathan died, everybody had died off. David the king looked at his servants and made this statement. Is there anybody left of the house of Saul that I could show kindness to for Jonathan's sake? And do you know what his servant Ziba said? You know, king, there is one. His name is Mephibosheth. He's a little cripple boy. He's the grandson of Saul. He's the only one left. And he said, go fetch him. Bring him here. Can you see that little cripple boy walking in? He, listen, David had no... Listen, humanly speaking, David didn't have any responsibility to show any favor or grace or forgiveness to Saul's family. But you know what he did? He said, I want to show kindness to Saul's family and I'm going to forgive them and I'm going to show them. I'm just not going to talk about it. I'm going to demonstrate it. And he brought Mephibosheth before him and he looked at Mephibosheth and he said, you know what? You're not going to be my servant. Don't, don't, don't bow down to me. He said, you'll eat at my table from this day on forever. There's some of you in this room and ain't nothing like that ever happened to your life, not even close. And you know what? You're still harboring unforgiveness for something somebody's done to you five, ten, fifteen years ago. I know people right now who left my church, Shelly, who right now, if I saw them in the grocery store, I'm walking my, my buggy down the aisle getting my groceries. I ain't got to think. Listen, I have no... My conscience is clear. I walk down the aisle, they'll see me... And they'll run. They'll run away from you. You know what that is? That's an unforgiving spirit. Don't be like that. Learn to forgive. And I can promise you this. If you have a clear conscience, it always makes for a soft pillow. You'll sleep like a baby when you've got a clear conscience and there's no unforgiveness in your heart. Amen? So don't forget this. Judicial forgiveness... Psychological forgiveness, reconciliatory forgiveness. One's given by God only, judicial. Psychological is, listen, is the one for the offended party, but reconciliatory forgiveness is for the offender. Young people, don't forget this. Learn to do what Christ did from Calvary. 
with spikes through his wrist and spikes through his, through his feet and his ankles. And a, listen, and a driven side, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. By the way, let me say this. If he can do that, I know I can. I've never had anybody crucify me on a cross. I've had people want to, but I haven't had it done. So let's forgive. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time. I pray that you'd bless in the question in the group time. Uh, use this as an impetus to maybe see into the hearts of some of the young people who've been holding on to something that they need to let go of. And I'll love you and thank you for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.